Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Season 8, Episode 2, Part 1, DC Fandom. Hello there. How the devil are you? It's uh, Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Um, I've got to say hi to Supercatchik, who hasn't been on for absolutely ages, and we've missed her as well. Hi there. And she's saying hello to everyone, catching up with everyone. And everyone's just saying, ah, it's great to see her. Oh, we've missed your face. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's just really good that uh, we've got Supercatchik back on. Welcome to Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. I've got my cup of tea. Hopefully you've got yours as well. And hopefully you caught some of the social media updates that I put out um, over the course of the last couple of days uh, because we've had a slight change of plan. This is actually part one of uh, Talking Con this weekend, uh, this Sunday, uh, because if you are tuning in, by the way, with the express intention of seeing Derek Robertson, small issue with that. <laughs> Listen, I'm often stunned that I get any guests on at all. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, I mean, most artists are doing what they do throughout the night. Most of them are night owls, vampires for the majority, uh, which means 10 o'clock in the morning is a bit of a stretch. Midweek on a school day, maybe. On a Sunday, it's a, it's a family day and it's a, just as laying in bed. That's the kind of thing. However, that's happened this time around. Uh, Derek Robertson, who is, of course, the artist uh, behind such great works as Transmet, and also The Boys, which is going great guns uh, on Amazon Prime at the moment. Um, he is a cracking artist, and basically he is lying in. Uh, he's 10 o'clock's a little bit early for him. He wants a cup of coffee just to get himself uh, all sorted, which means we're starting, we're doing a, a two-parter. Part one, we're going to talk about DC Fandom and indeed anything else that you want to dive into. Jump in on the comments, anything you've spotted that you want to get into, we'll, uh, we'll cover today. Um, but uh, our second show is going to be at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. GMT. So please do join in. I think it's going to be a fun show, um, a great conversation with someone who's just very interesting and uh, just really uh, an engaged guy. So really looking forward to uh, talking to him. So there we go. Uh, comments are coming in saying hi let's have a look who else is online uh, Aaron Neighbors hola from San Diego hello there how are things in California right now um, obviously it won't be um, getting as close as San Diego but certainly I've been seeing on social media about the, uh, the fires uh, that are uh, currently uh, sweeping across California and uh, if anybody is watching and in the near vicinity of uh, those events Sending you all our best. Stay safe, for heaven's sake. 2020 has just been, safe to say, a shitter of a year. And that this is just something else. It, just to drag on top of it. It's just ridiculous. Uh, and he's just saying it's bloody humid. As long as for yourself that's what it is, fine. But I can appreciate that uh, for many it's been hard work. But there we go. Uh, Dan Berry, show one or two, you're welcome. Dan is crediting himself entirely for uh, getting Derek Robertson on the show. 
I have been looking through my emails, and Derek has also responded as well. There was another artist called Robin Jones who has also contacted Derek. But I will say, considering that Dan has been DMing Derek backwards and forwards, I'll give him 80% of the credit. <laughs> but no, listen, Dan, thank you so much indeed, and it's going to be great to uh, talk to him. We'll also get into uh, the other guests that we've got lined up, uh, not only for the rest of this week and next week and the month, We've got ourselves some great guests coming up um, on the show, so looking forward to that. The comments when it came to um, DC Fandom, and we've got Solicitous Meg, didn't watch any, but then I'm more of an image guy myself. Um, I'm stunned that other um, publishers like uh, Image or Boom or whoever haven't done their own kind of take on it. Admittedly, you don't have they don't have the resources uh, that uh, DC have had. Um, although it's got to be said, it's like I've often maintained you grab yourself an intern that has a working knowledge of after effects or uh, adobe premiere um you can put something together it can be done my opening credits was done in sony vegas and photoshop it took a bit of effort to work out some of the animation but we got there and that was done in four or five days dc have had a whole month and they've rendered this massive uh, the hall of heroes uh, but again, we'll get into that in a bit. So there we go. I think that's the other thing I kind of had a bit... I'm diving into it early already. Well, hang fire. I want to get into it. I do want to talk about DC Fandom because it was um, a big, big thing. Um, super catchy. Image is killing it. Anyone picked up Pulp yet? I really want to read what that one. I have not read Pulp yet, but um, uh, Sean Phillips, of course, is um, Brubaker. It's going to be out of the park. So yeah, it's going to be great. I just haven't gotten around to reading it yet. It's um, in my press inbox at the moment, and but I, I would love a physical copy of that particular book. Solicitor Smeg is noting uh, certainly one book that I have been buying uh, physical copies. They're all over there in a pile in my um, recent books pile, focusing on Adventure Man and a man uh, among you. Adventure Man is just absolutely old school comics. Um, it's a fascinating adventure romp uh, wrapped around some astonishing artwork um matt fraction uh he knows his way around the comic strip and yeah uh terry dodson is just it's it's career best stuff absolutely stunning yeah great great comic and well well uh, pointed out on that one uh, super mega box um we've got ourselves hand claps and a squid i don't know what the kids are saying nowadays uh it's all emojis yeah i'm sure she, she she's great on tiktok she knows what she's doing but no thank you very much indeed to super megabot for joining us into the blue mister i've been catching up on images moonshine by azarello and rizzo another book which i haven't had the chance to uh, uh get round to and indeed leandy i'm looking forward to seeing Derek. you know my love of the boys especially the comic book knows no ends do join us like i say it's going to be 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern 9 p.m gmt i'm going to finish off here and then we'll uh, take an hour or so. I'll do a little bit of last minute research and cramming. And then we'll uh, dive into that conversation. Right. So DC Fandom, it was um, announced as a global fan event. They turned around and said from the start that it wasn't a Comic-Con. And quite right too, considering that it absolutely wasn't. The last thing that this was, was a virtual convention. Uh, people have been talking about the fact that um, DC not appearing at events like 
uh, San Diego Comic-Con at home, or indeed uh, the last week's um, Metaverse for uh, Repop. But people were thinking that this was going to be their kind of a take on it, the virtual con. And that's what you would have got if they had actually stuck to the original model, which was, of course, the Hall of Heroes, uh, the uh, the moving around of various um, elements and the um, the various offshoots, um, such as the Kidsverse, the Insiderverse, um, the various elements of uh, the DC landscape. But that's not what they wanted to do. That's not what they decided to go for. And they decided instead to focus on the Hall of Heroes, um, moving the uh, majority of the uh, ancillary stuff to a second date, which is going to be in September, which I was disappointed about. I actually thought there was going to still be some form of hall experience. There was going to be somewhere you could bounce around so you weren't just locked into a single live stream, which at the end of the day, somebody sat in a production studio and hit play. And for 24 hours, it just ran through. Um, Admittedly, some great stuff being announced at the actual uh, um, event. Um, some cracking footage, uh, much anticipated, um, and all of it uh, got uh, revealed um, over the course of an eight-hour block. Was it eight hours, six hours? Because at the end of the day, as we all kind of realised, and it did, did kind of uh, all pay into the whole idea of a global fan experience, it was able to be viewed by people uh, across the globe. So here in the UK, we didn't have to stay up all night. We could just wake up on Sunday morning and jump into the stream. It meant that people got to see the panels or the eight hours worth of panels uh, being put on by DC. It was a single live stream and it was like having those promotional reels that you see on the screens at Hall H on lock. Um, someone actually put a tweet out, a response to my uh, comment, which was um, the, along the lines of, it's Trailer Park Con. It's Trailer Con. Um, it certainly felt like it at, in uh, places. The feeling that I had, and I did kind of make my feelings known on social media, is something which it also made me realise about the DC booth. While it's incredibly well produced, it looked amazing, uh, it's very solid and sturdy, and it looks like uh, an entire city being dropped into that um, square space in the middle of the uh, San Diego Convention Center. Um, it doesn't look like um, a bunch of very high, well-nailed uh, plywood boards together. It looks like a solid um, setup. What you get from the DC booth, in con contrast to the Marvel booth, for example, is that interaction with the audience. They have a stage and they have sometimes live drawing sessions up there, but that's the conversation between the person with the microphone, the host and the artist. There's no real dialogue with the audience. Whereas with the Marvel booth, there is that direct dialogue and you get the energy of a crowd. The fact that this was also the only real interaction or the, view, the knowledge of any kind of interaction from fans was the scrolling Twitter feed that was on the right-hand side of the page. It just felt that there was no two-way dialogue. It was a very, very passive experience. Um, it's the difference between having Michael Rooker up on a marble stage, bellowing at the crowd, getting everyone all riled up, and throwing out T-shirts, and just generally getting uh, the audience 
up and running to having the Wonder Woman outfit in a glass cage. Well, it's all very nice, but once you've taken the picture, there's no real interaction. It's, it, it's very, very passive. That being said, let's actually talk about what we did watch and what we do, did get out of the actual um, event. Let's go through uh, a couple of things. First off, straight out the gate, of course, was Wonder Woman 1984. We got the, uh, the chance to see Patty, see Gal and uh, the cast members all coming together, and there was a lot of them as well. Um, it did kind of sum up uh, what we uh, uh, expected from DC fandom, extremely well produced. It was the equivalent for San Diego Comic-Con at home, for example, was the Bill and Ted uh, panel, in that you had uh, the Zoom footage or whatever um, camera footage they had, nicely upscaled and put into a uh, graphic, and it was nicely appealing to look at. And that's what you got across the board. I mean, you can't deny the sheen and the production value of DC Fandom was absolutely staggering. Um, it looked amazing. I liked, I loved the Hall of Heroes, actually. I liked the, um, the <laughs> clearly, obviously, green screen comped person uh, as the camera tracked around and uh, did what they needed to do. It looked great. Um, and that was, it, like I say, it was summed up with... Uh, all the elements that uh, was put forward. Wonder Woman, the trailer looks impressive. It's great to see that we've actually got our uh, first chance of seeing um, Shitara or Shitra, Shitara, yeah. Um, so it was great to have that up on um, uh, printed forward. You didn't see much of Maxwell Lord. It was very much about Wonder Woman, um, Shitara, and uh, also the return of uh, Chris Pine, of course. Um, so yeah, it was um, a it generated for me the same kind of excitement as we've had with the other trailers. To be fair, we just want to see the film now. So it's been put off so much. This was almost just like rubbing salt in the wound. Come on, let's actually see uh, this film. I mean, to be honest, the other major releases that were announced are some way away, either through delay production or whatever. It was a great um, um, presentation. And indeed, Wonder Woman represented several times uh, throughout the course of the weekend. You also had that 80th uh, anniversary panel uh, with Gal Gadot. Uh, you had the director of the film and also the original Wonder Woman um, so, uh, from the television show. So it was great to have uh, this real celebration. And you got this great, great logo, uh, which is going to be uh, the, the kind of the image of uh, the 80th anniversary of Wonder Woman running through um the rest of this year so that's really really cool uh, let's have a uh, look through a couple of comments already marcy bretz has got a couple in apparently there's a dc that publishes comics but you wouldn't have known that from yesterday almost all movies and tv all the time that was down to the whole big screen nature of the hall of heroes and it was the thing that i was missing when it came to the comics elements yes i mean to be fair there were some comics Announcements. There was the Sandman panel, which unfortunately I've missed across the board. I really want to check out that Sandman panel. If anyone watched it, please do comment. Let me know what you thought of it. It, it is slightly mired, of course, with the announcements last Monday uh, with the uh, the layoffs at DC. Uh, in that um, we kind of have had a number of great talent and great books cancelled at DC, including Hellblazer, which is part of the. Sandman universe. Cy Spurrier's book is being cut short. If you do get the chance to check out his blog, you'll know just how 
hurt and upset he is by that news. But uh, there we go. Um, but uh, Marcy also mentions as well about live or nearly live interaction is one of the hardest things to accomplish for any event, harder for large events. Correct. Um, but I think it wouldn't have been completely unobtainable to have just a five minute out of the hour to jump out and actually interact with fans, have a live stream with um, people who have been watching stuff over the course of the last hour and get their take uh, and have a, a live studio thing. It can be done. Um, heaven knows we see it with uh, a whole bunch of uh, streaming platforms. Fandom do, do a great job of putting on a live show. Um, it can be done. Um, so, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I, I felt that that real tactile conversation between uh, DC and its audience. But then again, there's that sense of distance uh, which DC have always uh, kind of done. Uh, Marvel have always been the one that's been a little bit more connected with the with the uh, the readership. Um, so yeah, the the comics panels. There was the Sandman Universe panel that was announced. There was the uh, the fantastic news about Milestone, uh, the groundbreaking imprint um, is going to be uh, returning, uh, which was rather cool indeed. Um, uh, Karma Savage, Milestone, patterning with DC for a return, or partnering with DC for a return. It was always an imprint of DC. Uh, it was it was always kind of like drawing on DC's um, uh, talent pool. Uh, but no, I'm I'm very excited to um, see what they do, especially when we have also had the uh, the information or the news that uh, we're going to be getting uh, some live action uh, mile, uh, Milestone on the way, which is rather cool. Um, Admittedly, I take everything now with a real pinch of salt. Yes, they've said they're in, I was paying close attention to the language. We have had conversations. We are in discussion. Until I actually see something, um, I'm not really, I'm, I'm holding off with any, getting too excited until we actually see something. But Karma Savage, please let the um, Static Shock movie go into production. The Static Shot movie, like again, with all of the uh, things that Milestone have got produced, Super Catchy, the Milestone no suit is over, so they should be good to go. Um, yeah, the whole idea of um, what they've got planned, the reissues between now and February, that's easy enough. I mean, they can pull those from file and just uh, basically reissue. Um, I'm really curious to see where they actually go with it in terms of the rest of the developments purely because we've heard these promises before. We heard the promise of Static Shock movie four years ago. Uh, we heard it, I think it was also about 10 years ago, around my first San Diego Comic-Con, I heard that they were wanting to bring back Static Shock and indeed most of the milestone stuff. So, no, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what um, how it actually goes forward. Marcy Brett's The Jim Lee Portfolio Review was one of the highlights for me. Agreed, um, although I will say that... Um, uh, it wasn't long enough. It was it only kind of uh, focused on one artist. It would have been great to have broken it up or had it longer. That was kind of a bit of a thing for me, that the, the panels were so short. I can imagine that stuff was talked about for 45 minutes and then trimmed to 20 for uh, uh, efficiency. But um, that they could have done more with. They could have done with so much more with it across the board. Like I say, to then just strip everything back and focus on Hall of Heroes. Um, it's a shame that we didn't have something to bounce over to. 
um, more comic stuff uh, exactly we could have had more uh, elements of that so um, the fact that we uh, have this whole um, element uh, that's going to be uh, the, the second um, installment of fandom which is going to take place in September we it just felt that it was just too stripped back and it was just a live stream info dump uh, which for me was a little bit of a, a disappointment but there we go right uh, let's have a look at some of the uh, comments as well I mean let's uh, look at this Leanne D who bought the Sandman Audible is it worth it I did um, and yes it's incredibly well produced the only disappointment for me is it's effectively just a reading of the book uh, which there are some com arguments about a story works well in one medium and it doesn't necessarily work in another. Uh, there are certain chapters of certainly the first initial arc of Sandman, um, including the 24 hours uh, issue when Sandman goes to hell and goes to Hellfire Club to get uh, his talismans back. When you are reading that and you're hearing some kind of audio drama sound effects in the background, it still doesn't quite put the, uh, the image in your brain, unfortunately. It was okay. Um, I've yet to finish it. It's quite a, a meal. Um, but yeah, if uh, anyone else has uh, had a check out of uh, the Sandman uh, Audible, do let us know and see what you thought. So Wonder Woman was uh, the first big thing out of the gate. They started nice and strong and then they moved into Suicide Squad. I'm still not entirely convinced by this project. Uh, the only thing that does kind of do anything for me is the fact that James Gunn is behind it. Um, heaven knows he's managed to pull um, some incredible stories and films out of his backside from nowhere. I mean, I remember being in Hall H when they announced Guardians of the Galaxy and the entire room just turned around and went, really? Guardians of the Galaxy? Okay. And then... Two years later, Guardians of the Galaxy, they're household names. So, that's... James, you don't discount James Gunn. You, there's a reason why DC have hired him, even under the cloud that he uh, left Marvel under. Um, he's not exactly someone you just count out. So, there we go. But Suicide Squad, it's an interesting roster of characters. I do not expect a lot of them to survive by the end of the film. Um, it's bombastic, it looks amazing, um, the cast list, Idris Elba, uh, Margot Robbie, the whole works, looks incredible, and um, I'm fully expecting uh, it to be quite the thrill ride, but um, it's the uh, cartoony characters that they've uh, brought involved, and the costumes, um, it is a full-blown comic book movie, but we'll see what happens with it, it is the Suicide Squad, and um, it's on its way. It was, I mean, it was cool. Uh, the, the, I, I did kind of feel a little bit sorry for the Guardians of the Galaxy cast, uh, considering that he turned around and said in the panel, this is the best fun I'm having on set. This is absolutely the best crew that I've worked with. And yes, uh, that's part marketing. That's, I mean, he, of course he's going to sell his movie. Of course he is. But the fact that he then just turned around and pretty much threw uh, a, a cast which supported him when he was on his ass, when he was getting dragged through social media 
dragged through uh, entertainment press, um, they pretty much put their careers on the line. Dave Bautista put his career on the line. All of them did to support. And the fact that he then just turned around and said, no, Suicide Squad, best cast I've ever worked with. Okay, it's salesmanship. We'll go with that. Dan Berry, who do you think will be the first casualty in Suicide Squad? Polka Dot Man. Polka Dot Man or uh, the character that sh um, Weasel, um, Sean Gunn. <laughs> yeah, that's. It, it could be any of them. It could be a lot in one big RV. <laughs> so who knows? Um, Super Cat, I missed the whole thing. Did they talk about the Batfleck uh, returning for the Flash movie? We'll get into that in a second. Marcy Bretts, will the Suicide Squad be confusing to market to a general audience? It's not a sequel. Indeed. But then again, we could have said that about Guardians of the Galaxy again. Um, that all hinged on that first opening trailer. And it's a case of how they kind of uh, hook that audience in. They're going to hope that people are going to ride off the success of Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey and just get them into the cinemas in that regard. But who knows? Going back a little bit to the um, Milestone uh, conversation. I was at the Milestone uh, New York Comic Con Milestone panel a few years ago when they had presented the relaunch and showed some books. I've been dying for more ever since. If it happens, it's going to be incredible. Yeah, um, I've, yeah, Milestone is exactly what it says. It says what it is on the tin. It is a milestone of comics. It's groundbreaking. It's representational. It is required. And um, I hope it follows through. I really do. But I'm, I'm sorry. I'm holding my breath until I, we actually see something. But there we go. Right. Then we got into uh, something which, for me, was the highlight of the entire stream that I saw. I was absolutely blown away. Partially because of sheer charisma on his part. But Black Adam, um, of course, Dwayne uh, Johnson has been... I'm not entirely sure about the credits. Is he an executive producer of this thing? Because he should be. An executive producer's job is to get people involved, to get them excited for a film, to make sure that the money's flowing, to make sure that everything in production is up and running. He got involved with Boss Logic to produce this teaser trailer, these um, motion images. Boss Logic is the Australian uh, fan artist that has uh, pretty much got himself in the door with, when it comes to uh, production of many fantastic artworks and what they've done with this uh, it looks incredible very much like what we had with many uh, select hall h presentations very much before early production where you're getting a lot of um, promotion uh, concept art a uh, really nicely rendered graphic uh, as a title card it's just a case of how the film actually pans out because very much like uh, suicide squad it's a little bit of a difficult sell Admittedly, Dwayne Johnson, like I say, charisma through the eyeballs and people will come along for Dwayne Johnson. But at the end of the day, he's an anti-hero. He's very much somebody who is on, not exactly on the side of the angels. Black Adam is a character, I mean, you could, I, I think you could also put him in the same kind of box as Namor. He's supposed to be a hero, but he ain't. So we'll see how it all pans out. I mean, there were things in there he was talking about who I'd like to hang out with on a on a mission. He said, oh, well, Wonder Woman, Superman. I think I'd, uh, I'd bond with Superman. And you just go, okay, 
I know what the character's like. So we'll see how it goes. It really does play into the whole idea of a longer mythology, magic here being on Earth uh, for 5,000 years and uh, being unleashed onto the world. And we're curious to see how we're going to have that play out considering we had the uh, very nondescript uh, Shazam 2 panel, which even for a running gag of they can't reveal a great deal. They did announce the title, although I can't seem to remember it off the top of my head. It's not exactly a memorable one, uh, but though there is uh, uh, the uh, the Shazam 2. And I suspect we're going to see him going toe-to-toe with Black Adam. Um, it's unlikely we'll see a Superman anywhere in there. There seems to be this kind of split. It's the Justice League bunch and everyone else. We'll get into Justice League in a bit. So I'm not going to put any of the Justice League footage up because it was just something that um, kind of like was... It was the next thing that came down the line and it was it was almost like its own separate event. Social media just went completely nuts. Um, the Snyder Cutters came out of the woodwork and yeah, it was just... It is its own separate event. For as much as DC will... Uh, promote it and uh, put it forward and make it uh, the noise that it needs to. This is a HBO Max thing. They have listened to the fans. They've listened to the money. They've looked at all of those potential subscribers. They've looked at the viewing count for a four-hour event. And they're the ones that have pushed it forward. DC, for all of what they've embraced it here, they put um, a little bit that little uh, sizzle reel together and indeed the new teaser trailer for it. But DC as a company have been very reticent to actually almost comment on it. Because at the end of the day, they've just gone, well, we produced a film. We put it out there. We put it with our name on it. We have to stand behind it. Zack Snyder is under no obligation to do that. Uh, At the end of the day, um, he is somebody who will say his thing and uh, throw Joss Whedon and anyone else involved in that original film under the bus. So... That's where we were with uh, Snyder Cut. As for the trailer itself, for me, it was slightly uninspiring. And if I hear another stripped-back emo version of a song or um, of another chart hit, if I hear Hallelujah again, it'll be a day too soon. Supercat Chick, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to see Black Adam just for Dwayne Johnson. I don't care if it's a good movie. Yes. Um, even before this, I mean, I, I was excited, or at least I was interested in Black Adam as the actual uh, pro- uh, idea of the project. But Dwayne Johnson has got charisma coming out of every pore. The man, I can fully expect to run for president someday because he has just got that glow. He's a glow of a winner. Um, and um, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm going to be something else. Uh, Supercat Chick is responded to by Sir Lister of Snake. I will consider the movie a failure if he doesn't rock bottom at least one bad guy. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Marcy Bretts, uh, the arguments may be more interesting to watch than the actual Snyder Cut. That's really all I'm watching at the moment. I'm looking at all the, the, uh, the, the debate rather than the actual film. From what I've seen from this teaser trailer, I can't quite see how they can stretch it out to four hours. That's an assembly cut, isn't it? That's a lot. I may even have to go back to... Do I have to watch Justice League again to see how they can stretch that to four hours? Who knows? 
And not only that, but they're not going to be using any of the footage as shot by Joss Whedon. He turned around and said that there was there will not be a single frame as shot by Joss Whedon in this new project. So it's effectively going to be an entirely new film. Yeah, I'm. In fact, he was a little bit more vitriolic than that. He turned around and said, "I'd rather burn it to the ground than use any Joss Whedon footage." Okay, what did Joss Whedon do? <laughs> I mean, I know I've heard these rumours of. Uh, being uh, being put around by the gentleman who played uh, Cyborg, that he was disrespectful on set. This is the first I've heard of him being disrespectful on set. At the end of the day, Joss Whedon is one of the apparently most pleasant people to work with. So what did he do to upset these particular actors? I, I couldn't tell you. Aaron Navis, um, I'd watch it just to see Soups in a Black Suit. Marcy Brett's two-night watch party. So yeah, I, I I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna wa I watch everything me, uh, because at the end of the day I can't I can't comment unless I've seen it. It's the reason why you're not hearing me mention too much about Umbrella Academy two, uh, the second season. I haven't seen it yet, so I, I can't weigh in on it. I can't make any comments. So we are getting to the uh, the one that got everyone's attention though. Everyone talking, but uh, before all that. We had the other representation of uh, what DC was about, which is the games. And uh, we had uh, this, uh, the Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. It's I'm not a gamer, uh, but I really liked the, uh, the panel, uh, which was done by Rocksteady, which are based here in the UK. And you also had uh, an interviewer that was very engaging. Um, and uh, it, was, it was just a really cool panel also you got to see some amazing footage i mean if we just uh, bring this up so you can actually see the, the, what they've actually done with this particular game it looks incredible and um, they talked about how it is going to be very much a, a game which you can either play individually you can uh, swap and move between uh, players you can multi uh, player as well so you can really play in many many um, uh, aspects and many uh, approaches but Rocksteady are just going full out with this production and indeed DC are doing their best to support it as best they can. So there you go, that is uh, Suicide Squad uh, Kill yeah. Justice League, which will be uh, out next year. Uh, Lee Andy uh, just helped him out. Snyder is just playing up to the Snyder Cut fan. Yes, possibly, but the, the, the it's a little bit too vitriolic uh, is what uh, Zack Snyder is saying. He's a little bit too uh, confrontational. Um, I would love to know the final story, but then again, I'd love to know the final story of The Matrix and why Joe Pantoliano has been completely cut out of any promotional stuff for since The Matrix came out. I'd like to know what that story is about. There's always stories, isn't there? But um, right now, it's all being controlled by a very loud, vocal... <laughs> I'm not going to say minority, because there's far too many of them uh, on the net uh, talking about the Snyder Cup. Um, my only downside to it is, at the end of the day, when it comes out, it could be a lumpen turd. Um, and we're not going to be able to say anything because the fans have won. A, an entitled voice has bullied a studio into getting this thing made. And we're not going to be able to respond to it because of the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff with uh, Zack Snyder and... Um, the sense of victimhood um, 
we're not we're just not going to be able to point at it we're not going to be able to do the whole uh, emperor's new clothes because of the effort it's taken to get this thing on uh, the screen i'll do my best to be as objective as i can i hope it's any better than the uh, the version that we saw in the cinema it can't be much worse because for all of the uh, uh, the to and fro uh, it was several projects all mashed into one and that's what we saw this is going to be singular vision it is going to be Zack Snyder's vision it's whether it still holds up so we'll see we go. I'll watch it I think we all will we all will um, so Lister Snag Leandy let's just hope Snyder learns that lighting is important and not every scene has to be dark and moody super catchic no I want four hours of dark and moody <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah I mean speaking of dark and moody then let's get into um, uh, the darkest and the moodiest um, presentation of the entire thing which of course was uh, the Batman if anyone can actually I'm going to put this full screen because if anyone can actually make out anything that's going on um in this particular trailer it's very very uh, dark and uh, yeah it's it's the the extension of the joker um front um, elements that uh, celebration of a lo-fi take on the superhero mythos so yeah i mean i'm curious if anything because i have seen robert pattinson's other stuff i've seen lighthouse i've seen the other uh, films that he's been involved in which he did once stepping away from the twilight films he's a good actor whether he's got the personality to carry off a film like this um we were watching the panel upstairs i had to watch the panel in the morning because we were watching upstairs we were in bed we just kind of uh, we just on our phones just wrapping up the day and the batman panel came on and his voice Went through Caroline like a knife. It, it just sounded so dull and uh, bored and just not excited about this at all. So we had to turn it off and I watched it the next day. I watched the trailer. The trailer looks pretty damn impressive. And yeah, it is the Batman. I, don't, well, I mean, keep coming. Keep your comments in. Uh, you've got uh, all sorts of uh, people that are talking about it. We've got... Um, I'm confused by the Batman trailer. There's no glitter. Okay, I'm confused by that comment. Maybe I maybe I'm too stupid to get that one. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't get it. Uh, Aaron Neighbors, Batman, no white eyes fail. Uh, they spent so much money on marketing, they didn't spend any on lighting and grip equipment. <laughs> yeah, uh, there was a meme that was posted where it went through the years of the Batman films that came out, and without altering any of the frames. It put the frames up and it was getting darker and darker and darker. And it just went 2028 uh, and a totally black screen. So who knows? I did quite like this um, whole thing uh, that uh, came forward and Aaron picked up on it as well. Hopeful for a detective version of Batman. Yeah, we, that kind of got touched on um, with, uh, oh, with the Dark Knight. There was a sliver of it where he was doing some detective work. That's my that's my Batman, the Dark Knight detective. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that one, Aaron. Uh, hopefully that's the, the way it is. Let's have a look at this, Leanne D. I think Batman looks good, but I'm just so sick of Batman movies, they just keep rehashing. Yeah, I mean, they didn't mention, as far as I'm aware, because uh, we talked about it very briefly earlier, about the, uh, the Flash. They didn't talk about Michael Keaton. They didn't talk about uh, the return of Batfleck. 
Um, so I, I mean, one, at the end of the day, the vast majority of the content for DC Fandom was produced a month ago. We had um, Mark Bernardin, who hosted the Milestone panel. He basically turned around and said that he shot that thing three weeks ago. He was talking about it on Fat Man Beyond. So it's been produced and then stuck into the um, After Effects, rendered up, uh, all chopped up and required in uh, taking all the Zoom footage and editing it as needed. So this, the announcement about Batfleck, the only thing I can think of is the stuff that we got announced this week, the stuff that they we thought they could have saved for fandom, because it's so intractable, because it was so edited and the sheen was put on weeks ago, at the end of the day, they can't drop something in unless they do something like I have suggested, like a live stream, a something as part of the actual presentation. The only way they can do that is uh, an actual live presentation. So the news was going to go out. They might as well have just dropped it on Entertainment Weekly or Variety. So who knows? Into the Blue Mister, I've always loved how Ra's al Ghul always referred to the Batman as detective. Agreed. Totally agreed. Um, and uh, uh, Veronica Nunez. Hello, Veronica. I'm also so tired of Batman. Um, I, Aaron Nabus, I'm sort of in the same boat as Leanne, though I'd love a Batman Beyond live action movie. Um, is it just me? I mean, I put something up on uh, line along the lines of uh, for all of the films that we've had, such as Aquaman and Shazam and Wonder Woman, bringing the DC into the light. Why DC and Warner Brothers are obsessed with making a dark and gritty um, DCU? Um, at the end of the day, the world went nuts for the Batman trailer, so they're going to keep making Mule. That was the comment I made. But is it just me, or were the best bits of DC fandom the kid-friendly or the humorous bits, the relating to fans and their artwork and their tattoos and the cosplay? And they showed the uh, cartoon clips, uh, the uh, claymation animation of uh, DC's Funniest, or, yeah, DC's Funniest, which was on Cartoon Network. I was actually waiting for the panels to finish so they were showing those again because I was blown away by them. I'd not seen them before. I didn't know if uh, there were British voices. As uh, It's basically very much like um, Creature Comforts, the Ardman animation. And I'm wondering if it is Ardman animation that have done these because they're just absolutely awesome. Um, do check them out. They're on YouTube. Just search for DC's Funnest um, Cartoon Network. Really well worth checking out. I, I showed about four or five of them uh, to Caroline uh, this afternoon we were in tears we were in actual literal tears so funny um, and I mean I have no problem with having an R-rated Batman I have no problem with having an uh, adult rated superhero movie but I hope they balance it out um, which means they need Shazam to come out Shazam 2 to come out very very soon indeed but there we go. Solicitous Meg, it's getting as bad as Star Wars. At least a movie every year in Gotham, maybe DC, should look to some new properties before their bat idol falls off the pedestal. True. Uh, admittedly, though, I mean, we are talking some time away uh, between now and the Batman. Um, it's, I think it's October next year. There's plenty of time for them to get some other stuff out there. I really liked the um, Ask Harley Quinn, which is basically a very bleep-filled um, Q&A session with the animated Harley Quinn uh, series. That was rather fun. 
same drill. It's the end of it's, it's having something light to balance out things. At the end of the day, you will only see that there's the darkness if there's the light to uh, head towards. I think I paraphrase there somewhere. Leanne D, I think I'm over DC, and a lot of the reason is due to their toxic fans. It has turned me off. I get that, but I think it's not so much DC fans. I think it is more Snyder fans. There is a, it's a, it's the supporting of a jock that has managed to get himself behind a camera. Okay, maybe a little bit too much of a simplification, but um, it's possible. Right, I'm going to wrap up with some thoughts on this then. My, by all means, everyone, if you want to jump in with your general thoughts on DC Fandom, for myself, I just didn't feel it was interactive enough for them to step away from conventions, which is their direct connection with a fan base. At the end of the day, we can all go and sit in Hall H and watch trailers and panel content up on a screen for hours on end but at the end of the day we're just going to sit there get a num bum eat our popcorn go through our stale nachos and generally just get bored um i'm looking forward more to the extra haul content that we're going to get in september i'm also curious to know what they're actually going to do with the hall of heroes uh, in the september event haven't we kind of seen it all now are they just going to put this sizzle wheel this 24 hour live stream and put it on again and just hit play and then we all just disappear off into the separate halls i'm curious if it was a case of they didn't want the eyeballs to come away from this thing which they had spent some serious time money and effort on they wanted more people to see the wonder woman they wanted to see more people talking about Black Adam. They wanted to see more people talk about Suicide Squad. They wanted to see more people talking about the Batman. And that's very difficult to do when people are buggering off and checking out the uh, the content about the uh, the Batman score or the a new comics line that's coming down the line or another game that may be happening, which is all the separate stuff that is going to be discussed in the other halls. It was a great concept, and for a convention, it works. At a convention, it's a case of going out and exploring different corners, different elements. That is a convention experience to go and explore. This wasn't. This was a one-channel info dump. It's like going to San Diego Comic-Con and finding that only Hall H is open. Oh, and everyone can get in. <laughs> so there was no real exclusivity there's no real feeling that you've earned it everyone with a browser could jump in which by the way was the other issue as well did anyone else have uh, buffering issues with dc fandom i had some real struggles um i'd say every 15 minutes i it, the whole thing kept buffering and i had to restart the, the browser very very awkward into the blue mister after watching today's episode i'm mildly enthused to go and watch the fandom highlights on youtube if you do go you'll find um reaction videos you will find the actual sizzle reels like we've uh, been showing up on uh, screen. But you won't actually see any of the panel elements unless someone screen capped them. And heaven knows if you have enough bone memory, it was easy enough to do. Just hit screen record. You can do it or someone could do it. But I can imagine DC would just jump on with copyright. But um, it could it can be done or it could be done that someone could record the panel 
um, and put it up. And yes, there were some interesting things in there. Um, there was some fun things, but yeah, it was just a little bit awkward. We've got comments that are coming down. Uh, stay on nachos and lukewarm hall H pizza. Yeah, I've never had the nachos, but I'm not a nachos fan. I have had the pizza. Uh, Solicitous Meg, the most creative thing I've seen from DC in years is DC Superhero Girls on Netflix. That needs to get more episodes. I will back you on that one. I wouldn't say it's the most creative thing because there has been some really cool things coming out of some odd corners of DC. And like I say, the um, Umbrella Academy, it's great. Titans, that's rather cool. I mean, I quite liked the Titan sizzle reel. I really liked actually the, uh, the upcoming season of Flash sizzle reel. That came directly after um, the Snyder Cut, and I was more excited by that. I thought that was rather cool. Um, so who who knows? Uh, super catchy. Also, I'm a Snyder fan. Backs away. I wouldn't back away. Um, we we embrace all here. I really like. I quite like. No, I really like 300. I quite like Watchmen in that I think it's it makes some bold choices and makes it more understandable um what it did with uh, the end of the book uh, at the end of the day the book is the book and the film is the film i think he's well i'm trying to think of the best way to put it michael bay made transformers which is one of the single biggest messes ever to be projected onto a screen but he also made the rock so you, you can't I, you don't dismiss completely. I can't dismiss completely. There are some elements of Mad Steel I have grown to like. Um, certainly not the back end, but um, there are some elements of Man of Steel I quite like. I, there's some elements that once you've watched Man of Steel and watched Batman vs Superman directly after, there's some elements of that I quite like. Again, it derails itself at the back end because it gets too male, but um, again, that's a jock behind a camera. I can, I can support you on this one, uh, Super Cat Chick. The fans, on the other hand, it's a, a whole other ball game. Snyder fans can be very aggressive, and that's a it can be a bit much for my liking. Aaron Avis again, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is a great series. If you've not checked out Doom Patrol, do it because it's that's a lot of fun. Uh, Solicitor Smeg, uh, Watchmen was a decent film that was adapted from an excellent comic. So in my eyes, Snyder still failed. Okay, that's your that's your call. Of course it is. Um, I it's that's an opinion. So there you go, and it's it's one I could I I get. I mean I think the only um, adaptation from a book that has absolutely nailed the landing when it comes to matching the epicness of what it was trying to do was Lord of the Rings. But then again, the same filmmaker made the god awful mess, which was The Hobbit. You will you could not pay me to go and watch that final Hobbit film ever again. Um, Terry Gilliam, once fame, uh, this is Into the Blue Mister, once famously said that Watchmen was unfilmable. I think Snyder made a good go of it. I agree. And like I say, I think what he did with the, the uh, final idea of what the squid was all about, that kind of worked. But then you watch the TV series, series and realize that actually, no, maybe a massive alien squid could have worked. Um, I think the film Watchmen is okay. I think the TV series of Watchmen is god level. It's top tier. It's almost as good as Legion. Um, final thoughts. DC fandom, again, it's not a convention. 
it was a global fan event. It was a live stream. It was somebody who, I mean, it was an editor that had spent a lot of time and effort in an edit booth and putting this thing together and then setting up the website, setting up the uh, streaming video platform and hitting play. And that was it. That was pretty much your thing. If anyone saw any kind of dialogue between anyone, I think James Gunn was possibly the one that made the most noise and actually helped talk to fans. Yeah. I think that was the only kind of dialogue. Um, it was just too, for me, it was just too passive. Maybe that's because at the end of the day, DC are not wanting to get absolutely jumped on after what was learned about last week with the uh, the cuts and the restructuring of the company. They don't want to have all that noise. But that's what you take when you put something like this together. Surely, that's what you get. So, for me, as a trailer run, it was fine. It was good. Um, as a interaction with fans, in much the same way as the booth at San Diego Comic-Con, it's a little bit too passive. Um, I remember there was somebody I was talking to on Twitter who basically said that they went to the booth to ask somebody something or to get in some kind of interaction. And there were three PR people and they were constantly just ducking behind the scenes and almost avoiding talking to fans. They built the thing. They let the fans just enjoy it. What kind of interaction is that nowadays? Um, people, I think, deserve more than that, especially in 2020, that we need the dialogue. We need the back and forth. We need the connection. And perhaps on this one, that's why fandom didn't quite work, because it didn't connect. But that's me. Thoughts, of course, comments below. Do let us know what you think. Did you watch as much of fandom? What was your take on it? Um, do let me know, of course because uh, it's all about uh, you and your thoughts on this and your opinions of DC fandom. Keith and Jones, hello there, mate. How are you doing? Um, I thought they did a great job of presenting their material just enough. Yeah, it was, I mean, when you've got somebody uh, like um, DC and you've got Warner Brothers in your back pocket um, and you've got the production capital to do what they needed to do, um, it looked stunning. It looked incredible. That's a lot of sheen. And you have to cut through to actually have some kind of connection. So there we go. Right. Thank you very much for watching. Um, this has been my thoughts on DC Fandom. It's been part one of today's shows. Yes, we have got a second show on the way. Uh, if you tuned in expecting the conversation with Derek Robertson, it is on the way. Um, yes, it is a case of um, the, uh, uh, the conversation is going to happen in a second episode, which we're going to be going live with 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Uh, sorry, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT is our Sunday show. But the Derek Robertson part two is going to happen at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. GMT. So in about two hours time, we're going to be live with Derek Robertson course he is the artist behind the likes of the boys happy uh, trans metropolitan and many other books but uh, he's an engaged guy um, he's going to be a fascinating conversation i think and i'm looking forward 
to uh, seeing how that's going to go out. Um, Andrew English, hello, all from London. Got in to find this still going. Thought we had to watch him full in Wednesday. You will be able to um, do that with the Derek Robertson uh, because, yes, what we're going to be doing is um, 45 minutes of the conversation will be public and then the full conversation will be available for our Patreon supporters and then we upload the full episode on Wednesday for free. Okay, so Leanne D, okay guys, I'll see you all for, uh, for Derek later. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Michael P, I had a schedule which didn't connect to the actual panels. That's due to all of the additional halls being moved to the second event that's happening in September. Uh, Toby, um, the only thing in this fandom I caught was the Batman trailer. I liked it, it piqued my interest. Yeah, I, I'm down with that. I, I totally do understand that. And super catchy, I will definitely try to be back for Derek. Yes. Thank you. I hope you do, uh, because we have ourselves some great um, guests, um, not just Derek tonight, but also over the course of the next week or so, because we have ourselves a hell of a guest list coming up tonight. Derek Robertson in about two hours time on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to be talking as an incidental episode with David Popose. He's got a Kickstarter going at the moment with a book called The Oz or The OZ. Um, it's a fascinating looking comic. Um, the idea being it's almost The Wizard of Oz meets Metal Gear Solid. Um, a traumatized ex-Marine um, basically goes on the same route as Dorothy, except the Yellow Brick Road is a little bit more um, militarized. Um, it's an interesting book. Uh, do go check it out on Kickstarter ahead of our conversation, but we're going to be talking to David Propose about that, about um, the challenges of putting a Kickstarter together. should be a cool conversation. Wednesday is going to be the one which I'm re myself I'm really looking forward to. This is our conversation with Jeff Trexler, who is the interim director of uh, the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Um, he is someone who's got himself a hell of a task in trying to convince a lot of people that the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund is still something to be salvaged. It's had so much mire thrown at it over the last, um, I'd say month, but it's resulting from decades worth of mismanagement, of abuse, of um, bullying, and a lot of broken uh, talent and careers have been left by the wayside. Um, yeah. Uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I'm going to try and be as honest and um, forthright about my questions to Jeff because the organisation does need, at the end of the day, to be held accountable, or at least its previous management does. Next Sunday, uh, James Tin in the fourth, um, a man who's definitely on fire with so much stuff and so many books that he's got going out, not only his own creative own stuff, but also uh, the Batman Joker War at the moment. Very interesting guy. Looking forward to talking to him next Sunday. Sunday after that is uh, the 6th of September, Cullen Bunn, another great writer. Looking forward to talking to him. Sunday 13th of September, Judy Tate, who's the director of Lakes Festival, talking about the challenge of putting together a city-wide festival into a virtual space. It's a different challenge altogether than uh, doing what uh, Comic-Con did. Interesting to see what uh, that's going to be at. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And then on Sunday 20th of September, That Texas Blood, Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips, the uh, artist and writer team uh, behind that Image Comics book. Um, looking forward to talking to them. I can also confirm now, um, the Sunday after that, the Sunday 27th, 
uh, we are going to be talking to um, Elsa Chatiria, uh, which I would have put my hand on the book, but I've taken it upstairs to read. Um, Elsa is one hell of an artist, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to her. So uh, that's going to be rather cool. So that's our, um, our guest list coming up. Um, I hope you uh, enjoy our shows moving forward. And of course, anybody that you wanted to try and get on the show, do let us know by uh, jumping up on social media and uh, yeah, keep those uh, suggestions coming in. Tag them in, let them know um, that we exist and uh, that uh, we would like to talk to some interesting people. If you find them interesting, let's get them on the show. That's really what it's all about. So there we go. Right. Thank you very much indeed for watching. I'm going to go away now with some last minute um, research uh, into Derek Robertson. It's going to be in just under two hours time. It's going to be a cool show. For myself, thank you very much indeed to everybody who's jumped in with comments. It's been a real good chat. People have really dived in and it's been great to uh, have everyone joining in. Uh, super catchy. I just backed the Oz. Uh, thanks to Aaron Neighbors for posting about it. You see, we do point, try and put the right things in front of you so you, uh, you kind of all know it's there. So there we go. Thanks for watching. Take care. And I will see you in two hours time or just under two hours time for part two of Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego, live with Derek Robertson. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.